0: If you're focused at the on the ground floor, you're not looking at where we need to go. And that's how we make an organization, a company successful is moving that forward so that we can do what we want to do. You saved the day because there was a problem with your process and it caused the, the, the issue. Fix the process, you don't have to be Superman every day. That's because you're not documenting the processes. You're not training the team. You're not looking at metrics to measure the results. You're looking at the tactical aspect of things. Once someone else starts doing it, they'll probably do it better than you would. Time's our most valuable asset, right? You can make more money, but you can't make more time. When today's gone, it's gone forever. So how you utilize your time will determine the success of your life and your business.
1: Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Now, today I'm excited to welcome Joe Sizinski to our podcast. Joe is a mentor and guide for CEOs and executive teams, uh, and he's particularly focused on mastering business growth and leadership. Now, he's got extensive experience spanning from Fortune 50 giants to innovative startups, making him a go-to expert for leaders that are seeking to navigate the complexities of expanding their businesses. What I think really sets Joe apart is his ability to bring clarity and strategic directions in so many areas of business, whether it's economic regulatory, team management, transforming companies into profitable and respected entities, like all these different areas. But today, we're going to delve into a critical aspect of leadership with Joe, which is the art of letting go. This will involve the un, uh, diving deep into the psychology behind relinquishing control and why it's essential for scaling your business and fostering team growth that you're able to let go. And Joe's insights are particularly valuable for those leaders grappling with the balance of managing and empowering their teams and not micromanaging and so on for optimal success. So uh, Joe, I'm thrilled to have you come and share your wisdom on this pivotal topic. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so very much. It's an honor and privilege to be here. Thank you for spending some time with us today.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, let's dive in with a bit of your experience. Can you perhaps briefly describe your experience that you've had because you've had an incredible career and where you've got to in terms of mentoring CEOs and working with their teams for business growth?
0: Well, everything from the military to spending uh, 25 years with a Fortune 50 company and senior management to running my own business for the last uh, almost 15 years now, um, and and it's focused specifically that transformation that you know when you go from kind of thinking like a technician to manager to actually an owner to a CEO to the C level to the leadership aspect of things you go through massive changes in your thought process, and that's what we get to do here at Brainshare is. Where is your brain share and, and how is it focused? And that's a key to that transformation of letting go and moving to the next modality of running the business. Because if you're acting like a, a technician, you're going to be a technician. You can't take that next level up and look at everything and moving up that ladder to say, you know, hey, am I in the right? In, in, you know, seeing the forest from the trees? Well, are you even in the right forest? So that's kind of that methodology and, and taking that next step to letting go of the things that you can delegate out to other people or should be delegating out. I'm going to say that again, should be delegating out versus doing yourself, because that's the key. We've only got so much time. Time's our most valuable asset, right? You can make more money, but you can't make more time. When today's gone, it's gone forever forever. So how you utilize your time will determine the success of your life and your business. And that's what we get to do here. And that's what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Fantastic. And uh, I mean, you, you've worked with so many different business leaders and so on. What are, what what have you come across in terms of the challenges, the obstacles that they face when you when you, you or they identify that they need to be letting go in their businesses? What, what are typically they starting to hit?
0: Well, it's that comfort zone too. It's, I've been doing it. I've been doing it this way for so long. Trying to do this is hard. And, and it takes, you know, it's changing habits, you know, like James Clear talks about atomic habit. How do you, what do you do? And making sure you've got the right team in place to delegate to and the right processes, tools and metrics in place. Cause if you don't feel comfortable about that delegation process, you're going to keep doing what you're doing versus delegating it out to the right person, letting go of that task that responsibility that doesn't mean you, you still don't uh, have ownership of that responsibility but you delegate delegate out the aspect of actually doing it so you've got ownership but you delegate out accountability and responsibility for actually doing the tasks or the responsibility or you know when you delegate out let's say you're marketing and you hire a a company or or, or a VP of marketing or a CMO, you've got to ensure that they're doing it and you've got to let go of that and then monitor the metrics, not the actual tasks.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I think the the bit that stood out for me um, uh, there that (laughs) kind of got me thinking about this in a way that I haven't before is that, that comfort level. You mentioned around the. For a lot of leaders they're comfortable doing the doing and and uncomfortable then delegating and you have to become comfortable with delegating and that's something that i hadn't really reflect on until now is that part of my journey through doing this and i've shared in other episodes how i used to be a, ter- a terrible delegator this is not an area of skill that came to me naturally it's something i've i've had to build that muscle and particularly learn the techniques uh, that have made it easier for me given uh, kind of my personality style and so on, but actually, that's one of the biggest changes. Is I've become comfortable with delegating to the point that, it's, in some cases, more comfortable with delegating than with doing, You're even doing so, it now. Do... Well,
0: but that, but, but that's that big change is where you know what I don't want to do that. That's not something I should be doing. I need to be focused up here, not down here. And in 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 my experience. There's a process to delegate. And when you implement a process, yeah. then it becomes easier and easier to do because it's repeatable. Um, yeah. So many people abdicate versus delegate. And that's where the problem happens. It's like, oh, you take care of it. Guess what? It's never going to get done the way you want it to. And then you're going to pick it back up and you're going to do it yourself because it's easier to do it myself than it is. Teach somebody else to do it. I hear that one all the time that's because you're not documenting the processes. You're not training the team. You're not looking at metrics to measure the results. You're looking at the, the, the aspect of things. Once someone else starts doing, it, they'll probably do it better than you would. <laughs> you if you right. train them, out, they're going to, yeah, they're going to, you're going to put, they're going to put more brain share into doing that. than you can uh, allocate because you've got so much, uh, you start moving up that, that ladder of okay you know what i need to be focused on the higher level aspects of the business the strategic aspects you don't have time to do the tactics and that has to be delegated out otherwise you know you, you, you you'll be working 80 hours a week and not going anywhere you know the, the the harder you run the less you get done i like that yeah and and, and
1: I, my phone I've fallen into that trap so many times in the past. And certainly it's something that I've seen with my clients as well, is that, that, that loop, that loop, as you described, the way that you kind of, you abdicate, you go, oh my God, you know, well, firstly, you start off by holding onto it too long and then saying, and then finally going, okay, I, I I know I need to delegate it. And so they abdicate it and then it goes wrong. And it's almost like, see, I told you so. I told you this, you know, I couldn't hand this over to someone else. You know, I told you that this, you know, uh, accountants couldn't do this uh, finance stuff for me. And then they take it back on. And it's almost like now the resistance to trying again is even harder. And you end up on this spiral it's, where it just it, kind of breaks and, up from doing prophecy.
0: And then you keep getting, you keep having more stuff on yourself, on, on yourself, on yourself. And then you get to that point of, wow, why am I doing this? This isn't worth it. And you, and you start that downward spiral versus, hey, I've got this person do this, and instead of being the orchestra, you know, the orchestrator, you become the tuba player. <laughs> Guess what? You can't play all the instruments yourself. So how do you go through that process of, okay, what makes sense to start delegating? And I use a technique called a skills fun matrix. Does it require my skills, and is it fun for me? If it's not fun for you and requires your skill, You may, you know, it's a conscious decision on what you delegate out. It shouldn't be, oh, I'm spending so much time there. It's a, you know, you go through a process of, okay, what do I need to delegate out? Where do I need to be putting my brain share to get the company to where we want it to go? And then once you identify that, then you say, okay, do we have documented processes and tools for that? And then as you're delegating that, you make sure you put the metrics in place so that you can monitor the progress of that task that function and still keep you know a, the, the pulse of what's going on without doing it and that's when business gets really fun is when you're you know you, you go hey i got it running versus hey i'm running yeah.
1: and, <laughs> and, and so when we when we look at the um uh, getting out of that loop you know if, if, if that negative spiral of kind of abdication and failure <laughs> and then you know uh, taking control and so on, is obviously the wrong way to go. The alternative approach, often one of the challenges, you know, you've, you've kind of mentioned before around, yeah, documenting processes, we need to give that guidance, not abdicate it, properly delegate, make sure that we're measuring the KPIs. What about, um, what are some of the um, ways in which you've seen this play out? Can you perhaps share an example of a particular leader that perhaps you've worked with that was struggling with this and how, what are the steps that they specifically took to, to kind of overcome this?
0: Uh, I I, I remember one that was um, uh, starting to to delegate out the financial aspects of things. Mm -hmm. And instead of delegating, it was abdicating, you guys take care of this. And three months later, I told you they couldn't do it right. And it's like, well, uh, let's talk about what you did in that transition, because it is a transition. And it was, well, I I handed it to him and I said, I'll see you next month. That's not going to work. You didn't set expectations, you didn't document or or talk about what you're doing today and how that's working, and what metrics do you use to measure that process? And, and once we got I we got him thinking differently, and it's all about thinking differently. You know, letting go of that. And nobody can do it as good as me. It's that ego thing. Um, I, I see this with managers uh, and new supervisors uh, a lot more. Of oh, if I tell everybody what I'm doing, then they'll have the power, and I won't be the go-to Superman guy. You know, there's I call it the Superman syndrome. You know, the hero syndrome. You know, I fix the problem, and they rip off your the coat, and you got the big Superman. Da-da-da-da-da. Oh, I saved the day. Well. You saved the day because there was a problem with your process and it caused the, the, the issue. Fix the process, you don't have to be Superman every day, but that ego aspect of things is, is uh, you know, it, it releases endorphins, you're like, yay! And letting go of that because you don't get that same um, rush as a leader because you're getting things done through the team, not yourself. And you've got, we've got, we. I'll speak to it. We've got to find ways of getting that same um, uh, feeling of accomplishment through other people, and that's the key. Is like, hey, we got it done instead of I did it, mm. and that's a big mind shift. To hey, if it gets done, I still. You know, it's my my team, my organization. We did it. Not that I did it, but I put everything in place to make it happen. I'm gonna tell you a, a, a true story about one of my my mentors over the years. And he goes, I, I said I said, said Dom, you know, what well, you know you're not in the office very often. He goes, Nope. He goes, if I if I'm doing my job, I can be out on the golf course four days a week. And, and I, it used to drive me crazy because I'm working, you know, I, I'm the, the marketing manager. I'm working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. And running, and I'm like, and he's doing, and he's doing nothing. And, and uh, I sat down with him one day. And I said, oh, God, I just don't get this. And he goes, my job is to put the right people in place that's going to do a, a better job than me. And to make sure it's being done. So if I do my job right by putting the right people in place, making sure the right tools and processes are in place, and I'm playing golf every day, that means I'm really doing my job. And it took me so long to, like, wow, he's right. Mm. If the business is working without you, that means you're doing the best job possible. And, you know, back then I didn't get it. Now I'm like, oh, he was brilliant. He put one of the best teams together I've ever seen and focusing on the balance of the skills for the organization, not just him. So what balances him out and what balances you out in the organization? Uh, And, and, you know, you can get into personality profiling and disc profiles and everything else. And that's another understanding that helps with this if you don't understand the team dynamics if you got too many high Ds you're going to sit there and fight all the time and if you don't have enough high Ds nothing gets done everybody just so what's the different personality profile makes up makeup of your team and bringing the right team on for balance to accelerate the progress of the organization yeah I mean, kind of fun huh it, it is
1: It is fun. And, and, and I think particularly when you start to think of yourself as a business leader, as someone who's responsible for bringing together the right players on the team um, and giving them clarity over what their role is and uh, how you're going to measure that and so on. I think it does fundamentally shift your kind of identity as a business leader in a really helpful way. And as you say, it kind of helps with the the psychology of the, the kind of endorphin hit of, you know, I'm, su- I'm Superman because I have solved a problem and instead yep. actually thinking in this much more rewarding way of actually I'm, my, my job is to pull together this incredible band of people who each have their own role and bring something to the party. And my job is basically make sure that that team stays running as effectively as it can. And if someone has to leave out that team or, you know, gets hit by the the proverbial bus or whatever. It's like, okay, right now I now I step in off the golf course. <laughs> you know, get, yeah, yeah. The, get the next leader in and so on.
0: Or if I've done a really good job of contingency planning, there's somebody else that's ready to take that role in. And, and move around. This is um, you know, when you get sophisticated enough, you're going, okay, let's look at the organization. What happens if I'm not here? What what happens? What happens if this person, this person, this person, this person? And you go through a contingency um, a planning exercise that says, oh, you know what? I need to train more people here or cross-train here. Uh, and, and the more um, the, the team is cross-trained on the different functions, I, I remember some, a lot of the Fortune 50 companies I used to work with, they used to put managers in different functions, and they're like, well, they know nothing about that. They're not going to – well, the purpose of that is so that they will understand it. So they got a broader view of everything. And that's another key as you start going up that executive channel. The, the broader vision you have, the more you can kind of move up from, you know, the top of the tree to the, the seeing the all the forests instead of the one forest you're in or the tree that you're in or – all i see is the ground level right
1: yeah no, that's nice i i also really like that lens of looking at for anyone in my organization what's my contingency plans exactly to say a good leader has got contingency plans for every single member of their team and it, it reminds me that um so at the time of recording i've got a, a member of my team uh, on um, my other software business in spider gap who uh, handed in uh, his notice to go and do some really cool stuff. He's, uh, I'm really, really excited for him. He's off to go and do some like acting and uh, directing and writing and so on, which has always been like his long-term career goal. But um, for various reasons, uh, didn't pursue it earlier on, and now he's able to do it. So it's like good le- reason to be leaving the business. Super happy for him. But my favorite thing was how the team were able to manage the entire process of offboarding him and. Planning how we're going to cope operationally. um, That we've our processes for recruitment mean that we've already got, and I've covered this in the previous episode of Distressed Business. We've got a farm team. We've got people who we really liked from previous recruitment processes, but we didn't have a vacancy, and so we've kind of kept them warm um, and and kept in contact over the over in some cases multiple years. um, So that you know the the decision that we've got to make is in which country do we hire? Like, you know, we've got farm team members in these different countries. And so literally all I had to do as part of uh, that team member's exit was review the draft email comms to go out to the company and go, oh, can we add this or make this change? And then... (laughs) Little tweaks instead of
0: creation.
1: Indeed. And so, um, but it's interesting, like, playing the game because in all honesty, like, I think we went for whatever reason maybe it's covid or whatever but we went a long period without losing a single member of staff um uh, which kind of is easy to lull you into a false sense of security and not think about it but it's it's a really interesting exercise to look at for every member in your team what's your plan like could you if they if they left tomorrow how soon could you have someone um in post and Delivering at the minimum level of standards and requirements to be able to do that
0: role. Um, well, now, ta- that- now, now roll, roll that back one more yeah. and say, okay, now this is what drives the development plan aspect of things. Mm. So you're looking at this and saying, okay, well, hey, if you want to, to be in this role at some de- time, what training, what skills do you need to yeah. develop to be there? And so your contingency planning rolls into your development planning for not only the organization, but yourself. If you're not doing your own development plans or working on a development plan on how to get to that next level, your team's not either. Walk the talk. You know, that the, the, you know, we're parents, right? And it's not what you say, it's what you do that the kids are going to follow. The same thing with the organization. It's not what you say, it's what you're doing. If you're doing your own development plans and you're doing your meeting, then the organization is. Mm-hmm. It's, so you know, focus more on yourself. You know, uh, Jim Rohn, uh, work harder on yourself than you do on your business. At it, it, it work, it's the way it should be. But we get so tied up in our own, our, you know, the mind is such a complex thing that it makes things more complex. Keep it simple hey, I've got my own development plan. This is what I need to be working on so that I can delegate more effectively, so that I can let go of some of those things that I shouldn't be doing. I, uh, what, oh, I had a CEO that was actually diving into the, the financials like way too much, like spending uh, more than, more than 10 hours a week on the financials. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I I, I look at his calendar, I said, where are you spending your time? Something's not, something doesn't feel right here. I don't know what. And we start diving into this calendar. And I'm like, look at all this time you're allocating to that. You know, how many CEOs do you know that are spending that much time doing this? Well, I gotta make sure that I know where every nickel's going. No, you gotta make sure somebody else is watching where every nickel's going. And you need to be focused on the strategic direction of the organization. Managing the other functions and ensuring profitability, so that the continue can the company can continue to thrive, not just survive.
1: Love that. And I, I, what's, what what occurs to me as well is initially when you said ten hours of diving into the financials, here's what I visualized: I visualized a business owner who has a finance administrator doing um, the the you know the numbers, but that they're spending ten hours like. <laughs> diving into looking at the the income statement, the profit and the balance sheet, the cash flow, like diving into that. Whereas then when you described it, it's like, no, 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 they're, they're doing all of the finance stuff, right? They're doing the bookkeeping well, and, uh, and
0: so on. You know, why are you paying bills? I mean, he was yeah. actually paying some bills. I'm like, and, and first of all, why isn't that systemized? Because all you should be doing is a, at the most approving it, and you shouldn't be worry. You have the budget set up, well, the finance team do that. You're paying these guys, yeah. and you're doing their job. It, it, it's, but it's, it's it all goes back to the brain. They're not doing it right. There's no trust. Mm. So, so a couple of of and and by the way, I I like to reference books and then incorporate that in. You know, you talk about letting go. Hey, Marshall Goldsmith talks about this, yeah. uh, you know, letting go of that vine. You, you, to, to take that next level up, you got to let go. And that's hard. It, it's, it's not easy. But well, when you develop a process to do that, from my perspective, because I'm a process guy, if there's a process that makes it easier, you don't have to think as much. Yeah. The more you th- think it takes a lot of energy. And we should be thinking about the right things, not the, the minutiae, not the noise. It's that higher level. And to get to that higher level, you got to let go of those tasks that don't require your skill set or your role. Mm. And it's uncomfortable.
1: Agreed. And uh, when we think about then how you let go, um, one of the things that we've talked about is the importance of, because we don't want to abdicate, we want to make sure that we're still delegating, which means that, um, to my mind, it's, it's about giving sufficient guidance, but also then measuring and monitoring the outputs more than so you provide the guidance so they can do a good job. But then rather than saying, oh, well, hang on, have you done it exactly how I said that? That only matters if it then causes a problem with the outcome, right? If they make a mistake or they miss something or whatever. So. <laughs> If we think about that outcome and previously you've alluded to like you need to be looking at the metrics uh, is, is really important. What are, what are the some of you know, how should a leader be looking at those metrics? You mentioned about keeping it simple. What would be the right approach? Because for a lot of leaders, uh, metrics is something that they, they struggle to apply, particularly when you get down to kind of individual role level and delegation.
0: Well, and, and so you got to break things down. I mean, first of all, you know, let, let's just take a, a marketing, for example what's the role of marketing? It's lead generation. Okay. And the highest level metric is number of leads. Okay. How do you, are there different ways to slice that? Absolutely. What are those um, uh, metrics and what do we need to put in place? This is where you should be thinking because metrics drive behavior, put the wrong metrics in place. Guess what? You're going to have the wrong behavior. And we've seen that, all of it, especially in sales, where you get the, the shark mentality and, and other things. So, putting that, and every business is different. Every business is unique, yet every business is the same. So, that's kind of an interesting thing. But when you, you, you take a step back and say, okay, what should I be measuring to drive the behavior that I want? That's when you put the correct metrics. And guess what? from year to year, they'll probably change based on <clears throat> the constraints in the business. So as that leader, you should be identifying the biggest constraint in the business. Uh, um, uh, Goal Rat talks about this in Theory of Constraints and the Goal. It says, okay, one of the, the your main jobs is what's the biggest constraint? Are we allocating the appropriate resources there? And are we optimizing the processes? Now that takes a different brain power and it's harder than oh let me go pay a bill yeah <laughs> that's you know come on then you know that that takes a, a completely different thought process you know you got to really move up that looking at the big picture hey what's the biggest constraint in my business okay if that's the biggest constraint instead of diving into it and doing it yourself how do i make sure it gets done so that i well one of my favorite sayings is especially when you're starting out, pay attention to what you do with the intention of training others to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's a different, so, so if you're thinking about, okay, I, you know, how do I make it easier for myself? No, how do I get it so somebody else can do it so I can move up that thought process? And that's a different way of thinking. Uh, one of the, I, I told one of, one of my uh, CEOs, I said, you got to get lazy. And he's like, what do you mean i got to get lazy? I said, think about how you don't have to do anything but sit back, look at the financials, look at your customer su- survey results, look at your employee survey results, and make sure your, your things are going in the right direction. That's your job. You're, you're driving the ship. You're not rowing the boat. The more you row the boat, the less you can drive the ship whatever analogy you want to use, but if you're rowing, you can't be driving the ship. it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, I think what I often see is this challenge as the business grows, and by that I mean, in the early days you have to do the doing, you're the only one that is in the business, you haven't got any money to pay anyone else, and you don't even know whether the business will fly and, and, and whether any of it works. And then, of course, as you start to grow it, it, you get start to get to a point where either you need some kind of personal assistant to help you with some basic admin um, or maybe you get start to get to a point where you need a salesperson or someone on the operations side or whatever. And and I think the hard thing is that f- for some people, some leaders are just generally sort of have a preference towards doing the doing and they're fine in that space like for them they're the ones that are hustling and making sales and and perhaps they they can as a result drive a few hundred thousand in revenue and do you know do well uh, to, to do that. But then you've got other leaders who actually their preference is not to do sales and not to do the doing. And they'd prefer to get other people doing it. But it's too early in the business to do so because they haven't worked out what works yet. So if you hire a salesperson, they're not going to succeed because you've not worked out how to sell your product and so on. I think that's the difficulty is you're, you know, a lot of people are one or the other side of that. And so you kind of have to overcome some of those those challenges and those ways of thinking to do it. Have you are there any examples of specific leaders that you've worked with where you're like, here's the moment it changed for them. Like here's the, the, the switch that went in their brain. Cause I think it, it, I'd be interested whether it's a gradual thing or whether it kind of just switches on for people.
0: I I think it's, it's a switch, but then the implementation is gradual. Hmm. Uh, And, and, and it's two steps forward, one step back. (laughs) A lot of times it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no. that that's right. It didn't work. Why didn't it work? And doing that root cause analysis, well, it didn't work because we didn't put the process together. You 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 let them go, and and they didn't understand all the implications of doing something. So you weren't kind of uh, delegating, walking through things, so that you can hand it off. You got into the abdication modality, um, and and some leaders i've got one right now that he is the best salesman for the company no ifs ands or buts guess what he should be selling it's okay hmm. understanding those roles and responsibilities on where you're focused and where the team is it's okay to say this is what i should be doing i'm going to put the team in place to handle the other aspects of things and this is kind of that you know basic I'm going to call it job description, and it's okay to say, you know what, part of my role is uh, uh, sales, and I'm going to focus on this, and I'm going to allocate 50% of my time to focusing on those strategic relationships that's going to drive the company to where it needs to go. I've got other leaders that say, you know what, that's not my skill set. I'm going to bring somebody on to do that, and I'm going to focus on the operational aspect of things, and I'm going to allocate more time to that. And that conscious decision of this is where I'm going to allocate my time and I'm going to delegate it, if it's a conscious decision, it's probably good. If it's the unconscious decision, that's the ones that actually cause problems. I'm like, did you actually decide to do that or did it just kind of happen? Mm. And most of the time it's, oh, it just kind of happened. Well, let's take a step back, analyze things a little bit, say, what do you like to do? What don't you like to do? What are you good at? What you're not good at? Where are the gaps in the organizational structure? What are the constraints for the business? Now we can move quickly forward. If you don't, you're going to, you might be. Uh, a bandaid, uh, putting putting a aid on a scratch when you got a tourniquet on you, you need for your leg. You know you're bleeding. Hey, eh? what are you worried about the band-aid for? you you know put the tourniquet on, stop the bleeding, and then we'll go fix the the thing. So that uh, that biggest constraint aspect of things yeah. takes brain power and takes a step back. And once you've identified the uh, oh i got to go down this one. I had a CEO that goes, oh, as soon as I fix this, everything's going to be great. And I started laughing hysterically. And they're like, well, what's wrong? I said, man, you fix this constraint, guess what? There's another constraint. And there's always a biggest constraint if you're trying to grow the business. It's like a big fire hose with us got a bunch of kinks in it. What's the biggest one? Working on the little ones don't matter. Biggest constraint, and then there's going to be another biggest one, another biggest one, and that's what's fun about business Yeah, is identifying that constraint, putting the right resources to fix it, and then finding the next one and the next one and growing the business and putting the peop- right people in place or the right training in place to ensure that they do it not as good as you, but better than you.
1: Yeah, I really like that. And I think the that point around uh, when you tackle a constraint, there'll be another one. Like it reminds me uh, of, a, of a phrase which is um, your prize for solving your biggest problem is a better quality problem. Um, and and that's, that just happens over and over. And as you said, that's the fun thing about business is doing that. So you have to lean into that. It re, and it reminds me of... Um, conversation I had with uh, uh, another business owner where it's we're talking about the difference between tightening the bolt you know like fixing the immediate problem versus keeping the bolts tight and it's a different mindset and it's a different approach and it's a different set of things that you need to put into to do it um and uh but but fundamentally changes the game for a leader from one of firefighting of constantly having to run around tightening bolts versus taking that step back and going okay how can I make it so that this is always this is always as it should be and it it does change the game and I think people don't realize how much it does like how it's almost like they don't see how good it can be and that and that's weird like for you like you've worked with so many different businesses how good can it be like you've mentioned the example of um, a previous manager of yours who was spending four days in the golf course but like some of the clients that you've worked with, like, where do they get to when, you know, what's the, what's the promised land in terms of- uh, Well, of, of
0: I, 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 got one yesterday. Yeah. I, I haven't worked for this company for probably two or three years. And, and he calls me up and he says, Joe, um, I got a problem. I'm like, well, what's your problem? He goes, I got too much money. Great I, I, said, <laughs> I said, I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, remember, and he goes, as we were working together, we, we, we did a lot of stuff, and, and then you, hit, you really hit me in the face. I said, what do you mean I, I hit you in the face? He goes, um, um, it, it, was, it was over $50 million, not, not a huge business. He goes, but you're only making X dollar amount, you know, not enough. And, and I said, you, something's wrong. And, he, and he, all of a sudden, that light bulb went off when he goes, why am I not running at a 10 to 15% net margin? And uh, and the light bulb went off and he goes, and, and, and now he comes and say, Hey Joe, I need a financial advisor and a tax advisor because I, hey, I'm getting taxed. I'm like, fantastic. What a great problem to have.
1: Yeah.
0: And 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 we went down that path. So to me, when you hit that, oh, I don't know what to do with with this money. What do I I need my tax planning? I need this, I need that. That's kind of getting to where you, you want to be. And it all goes back to, to me, that defining your ultimate goal. Where do you want to be? What does that look like? That, you know, whether you use a dream, uh, you know, a vision board, a dream board, a dream builder, goal setting, That they, they all work to saying, okay, this is where I want to get to. And if you don't define that, guess what? You're going to go around like this. Mm. Knowing where you want to go, putting the plan in place, and then executing the plan keeps it simple. It's when you run around in circles, you, you get tired, yeah. and you don't go anywhere. Set a goal, put the plan in place, and it's not going to go smooth, except and embrace that. Mm. You're going to get stuff with COVID hit, changed change the game for every, or not every, for most people. It changed the game completely. I've watched a lot of businesses that just completely went out because they were, you know, if you got an event business, I had, a, I had a company, they did events. Guess what? COVID hit, no more events. You know, can you pivot? Can you do Zoom? Some of them, some of them, and you know what? We're going to shut down and start over on something new. That's okay, too. It's a conscious decision on this is the way we're going to move forward. To me again that unconscious decision is what causes a lot of the, the issues.
1: Mm. Yeah, indeed. And for, for those businesses that are perhaps hearing this and thinking, okay, I get it. I know I need to let go. I know that, you know, if I if I do this in my business, it's it's not gonna be a smooth journey, but I'm willing to to try it and to learn and to get better at this and to give proper guidance and to review the metrics and do all those things what happens when they start hitting the roadblocks of their team? Because even earlier today, we, um, I joined a call that one of our consultants was running with a client and how they'd had some like really great impact on parts of the business. And they were looking at a particular team they were going to take it over to. And their concern was, ah, oh, you know, there's, Some individuals in this team that have been in the business a long, long time before from this was an acquisition that they'd done. um, And so they're worried. They've been in the business a long time. uh, They're very anti like uh, change. um, And, you know, we want to. Um, and we want to it, and We want to reduce the risk of those team members leaving by documenting their knowledge. And you know, I want to take um, the business owner because it, it's an acquisition. I want to take the business owner who's in there as well, and I want to free up their time so that they can be more strategic in that business and help grow it rather than running in the business. Um, and and they had this block of this concern around how do I. And, and i think a potentially valid one how do i get those people to buy into the benefit of this because i think a lot of business leaders think well i see the benefit for me of delegating and i see the benefit for me of having the things documented and a contingency plan if anyone leaves but actually for the rank and file or even the managers and so on isn't it in their interest to like be uh absolutely required and indispensable in the business so if you, if you were talking to that client, what would you be saying to them or asking them to kind of help break through those obstacles?
0: So that's that whole dialogue with, Hey, as you move up, other people move up, right? And the, and their thought process and the management, the team grows, we're going to need more people here to move up there. You're going to either have to grow with the company or stay stagnant. And somebody else is going to grow with the company. So it, So, you know, it's, I I, I use this analogy a lot. It's easy to be a big fish in a small pond, but when that pond gets bigger, you either got to get bigger too, or you're going to get eaten by some other big fish, right? I I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. So as the pond gets bigger, your team and give, and this is to me, goes back to basic development plans. Hey, you want to, and some people I've had, I, I remember one great, great manager. I said, Hey, you know, we're, we're, growing. we're going to be looking at, you know, a, a, a director level here. because he goes, I don't want that responsibility. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. Cause we do need people here too. And, and it's like, okay, so who are you going to groom to take that? Or who would you recommend to be, You know, kind of, we put the training program together for that. And we had that dialogue, and he said, you know, this person, okay, and what happens? That doesn't work out, and that's your contingency planning again. But having that open, honest dialogue is critical. You you don't want to put a square peg in a round hole, you know, or whatever analogy. If they don't want to do it, um, you know, that might be okay. Now, I'm going to give you another one. I got into sales and I hate I, I hated sales. I was running the service department and they wanted me to go into sales. I said, No, I hate salespeople. I hate it. And and my boss's boss's boss came to me and said, Joe, we want you to go do this. You're not. I said, No, I hate salespeople. No way. He goes, try it because you're not gonna be selling, you're gonna be fixing problems. And I I went, Oh okay, I'll try it. Hey, to me that was the, one of the the uh, a life changer because it wasn't about selling; it was about solving a problem and helping a customer achieve their goals. And just that understanding of that mind shift of what is that role helped me evolve through that. But without that dialogue, that wouldn't have transpired. Mm. Yeah. So Communication is key. Yeah, so I guess, I guess. I, this, is, this is a fun one. I, here's, here's my one of my favorite. How often are you doing your one-on-ones with your team? And if you're not doing them at least once a month, if not weekly, weekly is my recommendation, no, we, we do weekly. guess what? Uh, uh, do you, now, this is a fun one to ask. How often do you do your one-on-ones with your team? What's your agenda for that? How do you look at your metrics and do you, have you asked them what they think the metrics should be? And he's like, well, why would I ask them what they think the metrics should be? Because they're doing the job. Ask yeah. them if they were going to hire somebody else, how they would measure them.
1: Nice.
0: And, yeah. and it's it's interesting. I I like the upside down org chart. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, ever seen that?
1: No.
0: Okay, so you, a typical org chart, you got the leader up here, and you got, and, and I, I'm going to use, the the the, the term I just, is this person up here, a lot of companies kind of craps on everybody else.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, right? I mean, you've seen it. Turn that org chart upside down, and you got the team that's facing the customer, and the management team is there to support them. Mm. Steve Jobs said this, I hire good people so they can tell me what to do, not for me to tell them what to do. Love that it, they're closest it, to it
1: yeah and it's interesting when as soon as you visualize the org chart upside down it actually looks uh more like a tree which is quite a useful yes. an analogy for it right it's like yeah the the very ten- tendrils the ends of this this system of uh of your org chart uh, essentially it leaves it's kind of you know it's the External facing, they've got to be the ones that are actually, you know, photosynthesizing and doing good things. But actually, you've got to you've got to keep that be that trunk and make sure that everything's stable and uh, and works well and uh, and so on, even during strong winds. So I can um, and it reminds me of, um yeah, the, a related concept which may may come from the same source, which is around thinking of yourself working for your team rather than the other way around, like thinking. I I need to do a good job for them, and showing up in that way is uh, yeah a powerful switch in mindset. Um, if we go like uh, uh, let, let me take
0: that let me take yeah. that one level deeper, because if you use the tree analogy, this the, the tree is what everybody sees, mm. but as you know, there's just as much under the ground as there is above, and that's what the leadership is about is all those roots so that the tree can grow. Without those strong roots, the tree is not going to grow or it's going to fall over. So what are the roots that we have in the organizational structure, the contingency planning, those other aspects, so the tree can grow, bloom, produce fruit, and and, and continue to grow? That's the fun part of business.
1: Yeah, it's, it's working out what needs to be in place to be able to support that, right? And. And uh, <laughs> continuing uh, this analogy to the point at which it's going to break and fall over, um, it reminds me of, I remember seeing a, a diagram where it was basically showing how most people draw a tree with root system and the diagrams and how the, the root system is kind of a mirror of the branches above, right? You know, like we've all seen that diagram go into the earth. And the truth is uh, that that's not the case, right? The root system doesn't go as deep down into the ground as the tree does go up into the uh, into the air, and there aren't in terms of mass of root system, there isn't as much as what there is uh, up there. Trees are incredibly efficient. They create a root system that goes actually pretty shallow but out wide to create a mental base. And 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 the, I think that that's the interesting thing of business is essentially working out as a leader what's the minimum that I need to create in terms of, of that depth. And But but breadth to cover, you know, contingency for every role and making sure I've got weekly one-to-ones and that I'm supporting personal development to the team and so on. And actually, it's interesting, a bit like when we work with clients, like documenting their process and so on. I think that initially they think it's really, really big, like there's a lot to do. But the reality is, actually, it's a little bit everywhere. Like that's what makes the difference. It's, you know, you don't need every single process in your finance function documented and every person in it, like, absolutely A player. Like, you just need a basic level and suddenly finance is not your
0: biggest problem and you can focus somewhere else. and so Well, you focus somewhere else and, and guess, and that's the whole thing is, guess what? If the business is truly growing and you're still making a difference, you're going to have to focus in different areas as you address, address the constraints. And as you grow, that same function may be a constraint again. And that's okay. Embrace that. Embrace that, That that, you know, hey, great. I got to go back to marketing. We got to redo everything because um, uh, 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 I used to run the the marketing and sales and I had the operations manager. And we used to, it was so much fun because uh, they'd be like, oh man, we need more business. Oh, wow, you got too much business. Hey, I'm doing my job. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're, and it's, and that's how you grow is that, that, uh, that competitive um, aspect of it, where it, 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 it was, it, it was, we're together, but it's like, hey, I'm going to overload you. No, I keep it. And that's, and that was such a great relation. I just got goosebumps thinking about that one because that kind of relationship is for the good of the company, but it's like that's healthy. Um, Oh, what was it uh the five dysfunctions of a team um I, the, yes, and if you're you know if you've got you know you talked about you know as the company grows, people grow with it and they either grow or they need to get off the bus or know what seat they're in. it's okay, but make it a conscious decision, not a, a Peter principle decision where. You, you promote the people to the highest level of incompetence. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. You've seen, you know, we've all seen this. Like you got the wrong person in the wrong job. They know it. You know it. Nobody just, we're all, I had one uh, a month ago. In fact, I, I, Hey, what are we doing? And they called me and I actually I, I sit down with, with the, it's like, are you happy here? Uh, you. you know, they, they do the, Oh yeah. I'm like, look at your face you're not happy here they're not happy here why are we playing this stupid game and and, and everybody's like you actually said it I'm like hey, you're not happy I'm not. let's find a place where you're happy you're gonna do a better job the organization is gonna do better because it's like a, a boat anchor you know trying to you know go across don't play the stupid game find a place where it where you can accelerate your growth and, and knowledge, and and have fun and and be contributing, versus you're not happy, the organization's not happy. Why are we playing this? But the, but how many times do you see that game play out over and over and over? This is like have that base conversation. Hey, it's not working. It's okay. Yeah. Let's you know, find I- a place where you can contribute the way you want to or let's help you find a, a job with a different company. It's okay, not a big deal. Not oh my gosh, I'm getting fired. No, you're not getting fired. You're finding a better opportunity, but you know, the world changes and you got to change too. It's yeah. okay. I
1: th- yeah, I think you're right. Having that dialogue with your team makes all the difference when you're then trying to um, Communicate why you'd want to delegate and help them to delegate more and do all those things is so that people can enjoy their work more, which I think is really powerful and in fact, it reminds me of um, some of the, my favorite um, opportunities that we've had to work with clients have been where they're doing it for the team it's you know they're conscious that their team is stressed or that they're conscious that their team aren't able to take holidays, and that's why they want to do it and I think that's so powerful in terms of a message to the team um, but I want to respect your time we're running out we're running out of it so um, <laughs> Before we go, Joe, um, give me your like, what's uh, for anyone that's listened to this and think, yeah, I need to be letting go and so on, what's the, the key takeaway that you'd like them to,
0: to go away with? Uh, uh, back up and look at the big picture and then put the plan in place and do that on a regular basis. Time's our most valuable asset. If you're focused at the, you know, uh, on the ground floor, you're not looking at where we need to go. And that's how we make an organization, a company successful, is moving that forward so that we can do what we want to do personally spend time with the kids, get out on the golf course. That is probably the goal, not having a whole bunch of money, but you'll have a whole bunch, you need the money to do that. So identify the goal, put the plan in place, don't overcomplicate it.
1: <laughs> Love it. Great advice. Joe, it's been awesome talking to you. Um, I'll include a link to your uh, LinkedIn page and uh, your website in the um, uh, in the show notes. But uh, how would you recommend that people learn more from you, reach out to you, et cetera?
0: Uh, go to brainshare.us. Um, which is Brainshare.us, maybe, or uh, Brainshare.pro, which is kind of the higher level. So we've got an uh, uh, e-learning system. We've got one-on-one. We're, my goal is to help 10,000 businesses this coming year. And I can only do that with a combination of e-learning and other things. But my goal is to help businesses. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. Um, if you're not sure what to do, just give us a ring and we'll Brainshare some.
1: Fantastic. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Joe. It's been great talking to you and having you on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it.
0: My honor and privilege. Thank you. And thank all of your listeners and viewers. Um, Have a great, great day. Anything we do to help out, let's help change the world.